Hi guys, this is the College Experience. My name is Juan. And I'm Melissa. And today we have a very special guest, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Lauren Cardenas. I am a junior vocal music education major. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, pretty much my involvements revolve around music or the Student Support Services Office. Woohoo! <laughs> um, I am involved in a lot of music educator clubs, so things like NAFME and ACDA. I'm also an RA on campus. That's my other big personality trait as a student. Um, and I'm also involved with some Asian-oriented organizations on campus as well. Okay, so now it's rapid fire time. The first and most important question that you will answer today. Okay. <laughs> she okay. says nervously. <laughs> How do you feel about mint chocolate chip ice cream? I don't like it if it is white in color. I prefer green. <laughs> I don't even know how to feel <laughs> about that. What? Do you know what I'm, what I'm talking about, though? So, like, the Briars mint chocolate chip is white. It's white with black Do you know why chips. I don't know that? Because mint chocolate chip ice cream is trash. I don't care what color it is. And over here, we just... We, we just, just don't like it. it. So the fact Mine that you came down hard on the on, color. We've never gotten that answer. That's so far. But that's why we stopped because we didn't even know what to do with it. Because really? people either like it or don't like it. And the only correct answer on this podcast is that you don't like it. But I don't know if how to it's feel. White. I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know how to feel if you like half like it. I feel so like it's I'm, pretty on brand. So for I'm only me though, I agree. right? So I'm only going to be half annoyed. That's pr- oh come on. I could be full annoyed because don't you do be like me. it. Either be annoyed or don't. <laughs> Fine, I'm annoyed. <laughs> okay, me too. <laughs> me too. Jeez, let's move turn. on. What's going on? I feel like that's a valid answer. If it's green, it's totally a, a placebo thing, but... It, so green mint chocolate chip ice cream is okay is and fine. white is not. I Yes. I just had the greatest Pretty idea. Here first, friends. We should have a mint chocolate, uh, chocolate chip ice cream tasting. On the podcast, Christmas Ooh, episode, Christmas episode. Because then you would be testing me if if the green actually. Makes we could a blindfold you and see if you could tell the difference. <laughs> Done. That's my reappearance, <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's second that's, interview. Honestly, that's the answer that I go with, though. Okay, I, and I feel strongly. Okay, and we okay, respect this question. <laughs> Wait, are there any more rapid fire? Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. And just one. I'm so sorry. Um, so my favorite one is: What is your guilty pleasure and measure of food? My guilty pleasure is also my favorite food. It's chocolate chip cookies. That's a good just, choice. Just a chocolate. Okay. Yeah, but people tell me that it's not a real food. Homemade or? It doesn't matter. Just chocolate chip It cookies. Okay, homemade is best case scenario. If you buy cookie dough, I'm realizing now that I have strong food opinions. If you buy cookie dough, it has to be the Nestle Toll House chocolate chip lovers one. Okay. Because otherwise, there are many and, and they're real small, and I feel bad about myself because I roll I roll two cookies into one. <laughs> fair, fair. So chocolate chip cookies, a thousand percent. Okay, I will not ask you a food question. Okay, okay, great. Um, <laughs> if you could hang out with any cartoon character, who would it be? Ponyo. Why? Because I just love her so much. Have you seen Ponyo? No, she's. The, she's my um, AirPods case. Okay. Um, she's precious. It's a Studio Ghibli movie, and she starts out as a fish. <laughs> she turns <laughs> into a real person, 
and and the whole movie. It's a beautiful movie. You've seen it. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of myself in Ponyo, but I see me on my best days in Ponyo. Love it. And I think that's why I love her so much. She's precious to me. I feel like if I could hold her in my hands, my entire life would be made. I love her. You should Google a picture of her. Okay. I will. After we're done. Yeah, Ponyo. All right. I want to double back on the chocolate chip uh, oh, cookies. Please. If you're going store-bought, you're not making it. <clears throat> no cookie dough, not homemade. Okay. Where do you go to get chocolate chip cookies? Uh, probably Publix. Honestly, I could give you a more elaborate answer on what fast food place has the best cookies. All right. Let's hear it. Tzatziki's. Tzatziki's, Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Sometimes they use the Ghirardelli chocolate chips, Mm. so they're pretty good. McDonald's fell off for a little bit, but if you get them fresh baked, now they're really good. They're just a little bit small. I feel like you have a chart in your room where, like, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A has Chick-fil-A, if they are fresh, but some people get picky about the oats being in there, I like the oats. But all in all, tzatziki's, for sure. I'm not surprised. That's Chocolate a very chip elaborate cookie. answer. Connoisseur, I'm serious. I had like, I think I had seven cookies yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so if I ever wonder like, God, I just can't lose these past like five pounds. It's cookies. It's all in cookies. It's cookies. <laughs> yes. That's hair. Yeah, I love cookies. Um, so real quick, because I think... This is important to your story, too. I want you to talk about Fanny. I knew you were going to ask it. Uh, So I have an ESA, an emotional support animal named Finny. um, And I was going to talk about him regardless in this. I'm a huge ESA advocate. I tell people all the time that adopting Finny was the best decision I ever made coming to college. He is four years old. And he, I'm assuming, is an Australian shepherd and um, Britney Spaniel mix, and I don't know, maybe like on the cover of this podcast we can put a picture of him or something. I take him everywhere with me, including this office. He does everything with me when I go to practice my music. He comes with me, and the best part of every single day is seeing how happy he is to see me. He's my best friend, and I mean that 1,000%. We love Finny. We love Finny around here. He has a he has a good star too. He does. He has a star on the dean's list wall. So everybody who makes dean's list has a star. He's the Finney. best of boys. Smart of course little he's in the man. Finney is so smart. Smart man. Four point Yeah, 4. we're 0. talking 4. like Einstein level. He is so smart. He could give you a more elaborate answer on mint chocolate chip ice cream. Yes or no? He knows okay. all. He knows everything. Yep. Finney knows it all. Ever. He's just holding on to it. He's he, just quiet. He is the consciousness of the entire universe that makes things run. Oh. We should have his, a Finny spotlight. His little head. I agree. Are we just gonna have Finny like? He is like so sniffing <laughs> with the little microphones. Have you seen those? <gasps> no. Yeah. What really? Oh, you can hear them sniff it, and then like they'll put it in their mouths. It's so funny. Also, I got Finny a new toy recently. Just really quick. It is a sock monkey toy, and I told him I got a monkey from a monkey because I call him a little monkey. Cute. Cute. I love it. I love him. <laughs> so we're going to move on to our second question, even though that was a long first question. So sorry. Us. It's fine. So sorry. So for our chocolate chip loving, sometimes my chocolate chip loving, Finny loving <laughs> Lauren, um, can you tell us 
how being a first-generation college student has impacted your college experience? You know, in all honesty, it's probably impacted my experience a bit more than I would have liked it to. Um, I think for me, a lot of my college experience, as far as being a first-gen student, it's revolved around a lot of confusion and not knowing where to put it. Um, I think my, my college experience has been pretty independent, and I think some of that has to do with the way that I go through my life and the resources that I utilize and how I choose to utilize them. But I think something that's overlooked a lot as a first-gen student is that you don't have those adults in your life that can answer very simple questions for you, Mm -hmm. or even in the sense that first-gen students don't have the support system all the time to ask for money to get a mop. Because, you know, maybe you don't have parents that understand that you need to clean your dorm. I think it's been relatively lonely in regards to into first gen. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. I'm just listening. Okay. I thought you were crying. <laughs> I'm not crying. Okay. Whew. I just want to make sure. I don't know what I would have done, but... <laughs> not crying. Not today. Okay. I don't believe it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I just wanted to add a little bit of that. And it's um, sometimes it's the very simple things that we get this stuck on um, or we get stuck on because sometimes talking to our parents or just reaching out to someone, um, they don't have that same experience and they can't empathize and they try to, but it's just, it's just different. I, yeah, I agree. And I think along with that, you know, if you go home or you call your parents and you try to talk about some of the things that you're struggling with, I think because we're first generation, maybe they don't know about aspects of college life that they're supposed to latch on to. So I think if I, you know, try to talk to my family about things that I'm struggling with in college, maybe they latch onto the wrong idea and I get, you know, I get the empathy or the sympathy for things that I, that I don't need it for, you know, like maybe on on support, on technology. When I was really looking for it about professors, but, you know, it was pretty close. You try. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just they don't have the same ability or experience to know what exactly it is that you're looking for when you ask for support. It gets really complicated, and I feel like it's not something that's talked about. I agree. All right. I will move on to the next question. What unique characteristics do first-gen students bring to the table? I feel like the obvious answer is resilience, but I feel like it's obvious for a reason. I think it takes a lot of determination to get to this point, but then to want to be able to prove yourself so far and to sit here as a junior, you know, a year and a half away from getting my bachelor's degree, that takes a serious amount of resilience. I think, you know, going back to the second question, a lot of independence is needed. Um, but I, I feel like what's really important for first-gen students that we're able to bring to the table is a huge amount of empathy and respect for other people. I think to some degree every first-gen student has a story that maybe exhibits a little bit more resilience in the face of hardship than other students because we 
don't have support in in the same way. So I think having the experiences that we have had as first-gen students because people's parents don't choose to not attend college lightly. Mm-hmm. You know, when you decide to not attend college and then you decide to have children, that comes with a lot of weight and a lot of hardship. So I think going through that, being a product of that, you learn to have a lot more respect for the people around you and the ability to apply empathy for people who may not have always had it. I think we just become very well-rounded and warm people all around. I agree with that, for sure. So where would you say your... You've said that you've needed a lot of independence, and it's kind of scary. There's a lot of this process that's new and different. So where are your safe spaces? What are the places, and where do you feel like you belong and fit in? Where have you found your home, I guess? For me, it, again, revolves a lot around my involvement with the music department. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hate to give an answer that maybe isn't applicable for everyone, but I think a lot of that comfort comes with the things that you're passionate about. So if you are in a major that's not music, then maybe it comes with the buildings that do house your major. So I find a lot of comfort in practice rooms, and I think a lot of that symbolizes, you know, I'm in this practice room because I am ready to push myself and I'm ready to become better at my art. But if you are someone who cares a lot about English, then maybe your safe space is somewhere like the library because you feel at peace and ready to learn more that you can with the texts that surround you. So I have a really big safe space in the practice rooms and the music buildings and in um, spaces where I'm surrounded by people that are like-minded. So student support services um, and anywhere that will let me bring Finney in all honesty, I feel very safe because I think if there are, adults that work at this university with enough power to say whether or not I can have Finney with me and ultimately they choose to exercise compassion and say that they understand why I want him with me then I think I automatically feel a little bit safer a little bit more welcome and to end this episode I want to ask what is the best piece of advice that someone has given you um, or that you have received here in college or in life During my time in college, I feel like the best piece of advice that I got, I can't even remember who it was from. It was said so quickly in passing, but it's sort of become my mantra for everything. It's that no one cares as much as you do. And I think while that can sound really harsh on the surface level, I think it can be really freeing to have that realization. As a music student, it's really, really nice to know that no one cares as much as I do about how I sound or whether or not I pay the, or I play this passage correctly. So you're talking about it more by way of you take yourself more seriously than other people. Absolutely. Okay. I think, okay, sure. so if you are the kind of first-gen student that you know, really had to fight to be here and you're still fighting to be here, then I think, at least for me, it's really, really hard to laugh at myself and to give myself space to get something wrong Mm. because it feels like 
my whole life one wrong step and I would have never gotten to where I am. So it's really difficult for me to be able to laugh at myself. So I think taking time to understand what it means that no one cares as much as I do, it gives me a lot of space to grow. You have so much more room to grow if you're willing to make mistakes because otherwise you spend all of your time in fear and you can't get anything done that way. It also applies for wearing what you want to wear or you know being friends with the people that you want to be friends with. And on a harsher note, I think understanding that no one cares as much as you do really pushes you to be the advocate that you need mm-hmm. to be for yourself because it's a really tough pill to swallow, but understanding that no one is as concerned with your success as you are. And so with that, there are times that you need to prioritize your success or your mental health or your academic well-being because sometimes, you know, if you're not going to put yourself in that position, then no one else is going to. So I think on an everyday basis, it's important to keep that mantra in mind in order to grow a lot. But I think when it comes time to advocate for yourself, that's where you need to evaluate the mantra with a little bit more harshness. And I don't know that it's harsh to say, because it, I think the phrase it, itself, no one cares as much as you do, sounds a little harsh until you think about it in terms of advocacy. Because sometimes, like we've talked about before, people don't know they how to help you if you don't tell them you need mm-hmm. it. So in that respect, people can care about you, but they don't know how to care about you if you don't tell them. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that kind of plays in as mm-hmm. well, that it's not necessarily people don't care. It's just as much, I think, in a lot of times that people don't know if you don't kind of throw it out there to people. I think also, you know, if you're willing to put yourself in a position to understand that communication is necessary to have the relationships that you want. So again, you know, maybe it's not that they don't care as much as you do. It's it's that they don't, again, they don't know how to. Mm -hmm. Um, This is another piece of advice that I feel (laughs) like, you know, everyone kind of needs to understand is that, um, you know, a disagreement doesn't have to be a fight Mm. and that communication is necessary. You know, someone saying to you that maybe you're not meeting their needs in any way, academically, emotionally, whatever it is, you know, that doesn't have to kickstart any sort of fight or argument. I just, I don't know. I think, I think college puts you in a lot of positions where you learn about who you want to be as a communicator and an advocator for yourself and for other people. And I think it's very well known that college is the time to grow. But I think maybe more than that, it's probably a time to reflect as well on who you're going to be. I think that if you do it well and if you do college well, that is supposed to be a great tester. Um, I think for personality, character, and I do think that it's for a person outside of, uh, for a person that gets out of high school and comes to college, it's a great space to grow. Again, if you do it correctly, because I've seen people who come, go to class, go to their dorm, and they get nothing out of it. Um, I mean, they get their paper at the end of the day, they get their diploma, but there was not a lot of growing. 
Um, but I think that if you do it well, if you get involved, that's where becoming an advocate comes in. And like just that communication starts playing another role and you really start growing as a person. And like it just it changes you so much. Like it's crazy. Uh, I'm sitting here as a senior and thinking back as freshman me is a completely different person, like completely different person. So many stuff has happened. I've been part of so many programs and they came with hardships. They came with good moments. But all of it led me to like be here and like have this project and whatnot. But again, I think if you do it correctly or even incorrectly, you grow a lot. Um, we talked about failure in our second episode. And um, I think it plays back to that, too. Um, you have to fail to grow. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, I think I think college is marketed as an academic experience, but I think Juan, you're exactly right that if you do what is right for your path, then you're supposed to get a whole lot more out of it than than academics. And I again, this is a conversation for a different time, but I think the classes that you take, if you are open to learning from them, like for example, your gen eds, they can really mm-hmm. mold the kind of person that you discover you want to be and you you can be an advocate that you want to be through the courses you take but the people that you meet as well i think it is very much so the kind of experience where you get out almost exactly what you put into it i agree <laughs> i appreciate you we appreciate you coming on to talk to us lauren and sharing all your wealth of knowledge <laughs> you've got a lot to share thank you and we appreciate you talking to us so on that note I'm out. Well, thank you, Lauren. Thank Thank you very much. (laughs) Bye.